Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome back to a, another episode of Strange Happenings. I'm pretty sure we just had a very extended hot mic situation. Um, I'm looking. Who knows <laughs> what just happened? But <laughs> <laughs> you know what happened? We're was? down here at Brozone having a great time uh, figuring out. So, first time we're streaming using this new setup. And uh, yeah, it's been a, a fun last hour. We'll, we'll put it that way. It's been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I didn't realize uh, I was hearing, because I was trying to get the chat up so I could see it, I was hearing the playback, so I was hearing myself come through the whatever. Well, I kept muting you, because I knew that we had, we were, our audio was live, so I kept muting you, and you kept going, hey, so, so, something's happening, <laughs> somebody's muting me, <laughs> and then I mute you again, I'm like, bro, stop! Okay, we're all good, uh, settled in. Guys, we have an awesome episode for you tonight. Uh, we are, we've got a lot of people in the chat mixing it up already. We got Stoner's dad in the house, born not to run Necro. What's happening. We got chasing mound builders. Who else we got in here? Heather lamb, David Burke. What's happening, brother? Welcome. Sess in the city, of course. And all of you strangers out there. Uh, we've got a great episode for you tonight. Um, we also have the Frogman Festival right around the corner, Bub. What do you think about that? Pretty stoked about that, man. Frogman Fest is always a blast. Yeah. I say that, but last year was the first year of Frogman Fest, and that's yeah. why I say it's always a blast because it was a blast last year. So let's not, you know, let the good times stop rolling. Keep them going. That's you right. see the Frogman, let us know. Yeah. Uh, hey. Dancing lights. Hey, what's happening? What's happening? We got a full house in here in the chat. Nice. We are nice. ready to go. Uh, it is a Thursday night strange happenings because last night was Valentine's Day and it I is. had plans. So well, uh, we all had a good time. Hope you guys had a great Valentine's Day. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode with Catherine Lanigan that uh, we premiered on Monday. I know a lot of you guys were in the chat and really digging that. Uh, Catherine is a, a special lady and a dear friend of, of our dear friend, Bill Homan. So it kind of all came full circle. We were so happy to get that episode done. She's amazing, inspirational. So awesome, awesome. And many, many thanks to Catherine Lanigan for this week's episode. Um, but uh, yeah, Frogman Fest and uh, that Discord channel, guys. Hit that yeah. Discord server link. It's it's linked in, in everywhere. Um, it's in our link tree. There, there's no way you can't find it. So if you're not in there and want to join that, please, please do. Um, always appreciate your guys' support. There's been some awesome conversations happening in there. I'm seeing everybody's pets. I uh, love that. I love that part. Love that. Uh, you know, some interesting pets in there. We even have an appearance of... Uh, a little hedgehog. Somebody has a hedgehog. Uh, it appears to be an albino hedgehog. There she is. That's in the city. <laughs> um, but hey, let's hop right into it. We got a great, great lineup uh, for you guys tonight. And we're going to start off with a video. So let me uh, get that ready for us. And hopefully all this still works. We'll see. All here. right. Um, Cross fingers. I'm going to silence this now. Um, okay, guys, we have... Her hedgehog's name is Pearl. Yeah, Pearl, that's right. Yes, that's it. Um, so, this is UFO footage. Um, this is... Uh, some of you guys might, may have seen this video, but you have kind of just your... You know, I, I think this is a little bit old, but it's the first time we had seen that. And, Bub, I think you threw this one in there. I think so. Yeah. I'm not sure sometimes, you know, we kind of get the 
collection of articles and material and what have you. And sometimes we're like, did you do that? Did I do that? Did Kyle do that? <laughs> and uh, speaking of that, we actually have some featured from the Discord channel we and do. the Facebook group tonight. We do. We and do. we'll make sure and call you guys out for those. Um, and if somebody sends us a link and we didn't see it, sorry about that. Um, we'll, we'll try to get it next time. Hit us up next time. Um, but this first video here is uh, kind of your typical morning show, um, you know, local radio show kind of a vibe here. And, you know, these people just don't have these kind of conversations ever. So it's just fun to watch them kind of squirm a little bit. Yeah, the video, I mean, I don't know what I would say about that. It's like a white, it does kind of look it, like Dr. Strange's cape. Like it's like in almost like a Y shape at the top and like this kind of like bottleneck and then water falls down. So it yeah. kind of has this, that's weird. <laughs> Yeah. Where was the video taken from? Not sure. Not sure. From the chat. Um, I don't know. Do you know where that was purportedly taken or where that was shot? Does it say in the description of the video at all? Yeah, it's so... Doesn't show where it's, it was shot. Um, doesn't say anywhere in it. Nope, I don't see that. Hmm. Interesting. But Interesting. Who knows? Yeah. Interesting video. Cool stuff. Yeah. For sure. Um, Bob, you want to take this first article? Yeah, absolutely. For us, we can yeah. hop right in. Yeah. There's always, sorry, my eyes are dry. There's always a lot of uh, UFO shenanigans going on. So this is from February 9th. This comes from uh, insiderpaper.com and um, by Brendan Taylor. And uh, it's basically, uh, you know, the Pentagon's ex-UFO chief urges release of bombshell files for public eyes. Like, let's get this out there. I think there's this kind of growing sense of urgency and right whatever we'll get to it but so anyhow kirkpatrick demanded the release of a variety of significant bombshell files so that the public can truly understand what is happening he mentioned that his bosses at the pentagon quote gagged him from sharing the truth with the public um you know uh, on several occasions so even though he had evidence to back up his uh, discoveries the physicist a physicist who held the position of UFO chief for a year expressed that he believed his department was not permitted to disclose sufficient information about unidentified aircraft. Dr. Kirkpatrick explained, quote, there was a very strong concern to engage in the public discourse as often as I thought we needed to. The fact that they, the Pentagon leadership, can't figure out how to get that, uh, get at that message without concern for spillage into other areas has always been a frustrating point. So, what does he mean by that, right? Like spillage into other areas. Yeah. Right. Is that what we're talking about? This whole like, yeah, you know, Lockheed and Raytheon and whatever all these, you know, defense contractors and, and weapons development and, you know, aerospace companies are are possibly back engineering stuff or working on things that we've had and we know about this. So it's a big matzo ball to unravel. So, of course, it's going to be messy. So I think we're getting to that stage where it's getting a little bit messy. Um, yeah. The ex-UFO chief also believed that the U.S. government should have provided clearer explanations um, of its efforts to investigate apparent UFO sightings. He expressed concerns that the lack of transparency could uh, fuel conspiracy theories. So, you know, not being open and forthright allows people to kind of go crazy and make up your own story and what have you. And, you know, honestly, historically speaking, that's what disinformation was used for was going hey this guy over here believes it's a ufo like let him believe it's ufo it's our aircraft but we don't want him to know that so that sometimes it's been used as a smokescreen cover as well to like get away with keeping things clandestine right so um 
So that's where he's saying, you know, this is going to lead to some believe that there might be some truth to their spe- speculations about extraterrestrial life. So he's kind of tipping, you know, if you don't tell them what's going on, then they're going to start thinking, you know, connecting point A to point B on their own. But anyhow, um, the Pentagon spokesperson, Eric Pahone, uh, de- denied claims that the Pentagon had halted press conferences on the matter. Um, he added, quote, standard procedure within the department is to have public engagements cleared by higher officials. To our knowledge, any media engagement Dr. Kirkpatrick recommended or requested was approved. However, the secrecy surrounding UFOs gained renewed attention last year when retired Major David Grush, former Air Force intelligence official, accused the government of engaging in a significant cover-up. Grush claimed that the government had been concealing top-secret information about a decades-long program aimed at recovering and reverse-engineering alien spacecraft. This revelation follows a plea from a leading psychologist urging the U.K. government to cease keeping its UFO information classified. He was concerned that withholding information from the public would only serve to further promote unverified agendas. There's another concerning problem. Like, what is actually going on? Okay, if we have companies that have been working on crash-retrieved material from who knows what, aliens... Maybe they're uh, uh, probes, you know, the von Neumann probes when we covered those. Maybe they're probes. Yep. Um, so I'm not even going to go out on a limb and say that there's the life forms or NHIs or biologies or whatever. I'm going to stick with just the, the technology aspect of saying you've had this tech, we've, we've worked on it. Because that's what it's sounding like more and more. And there's a growing concern that if you don't talk about this because people are – I think it's at that point where, like, there's enough confirmation on that level where, mm-hmm. like, we can't keep this secret anymore. But does that mean by proxy that we can't keep all the other stuff secret as well? Or I don't know. It's like I said, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how they're going to unravel all of this easily or cleanly or. <laughs> it's not going to be clean. I'll tell you that right now. I just. You know, that ain't happening. <sighs> there's a lot going on. Yeah. I think this is the year. I know a yep. lot of people say that, oh, this is a year for disclosure and all this. I've never thought that. I've never felt that. And I'm not even going to go with 100%. But, you know, I mean, gut feeling, this year feels diff- different than any other. There's been a lot more tone setting, well, in carryover from last year into this year. Yeah. There's been a lot of tone set of, you know, Grush and that community at large, I think, are done being quiet and kept quiet. And for good reasons, too, like, you know. The whole everything is a matter of national security. So we're going to live in, quote, unquote, not that we're in the Stone Age, right? We've got modern technology, but the whole thing is, should we be having our own spaceships and flying to distant planets or, you know, free energy for everybody or whatever it might be? That's where I think we're at, where it's old guard, new guard, possibly also extraterrestrial. So it might be a triple, triple threat of... Who knows how it plays out? But I mean, I, I you know, we got to err on the side of hope, and you know, hope that the the best will prevail out of this, and keep working to um, get the information out, man. I mean, and really help the yeah. people that are trying to bring it out in the right way, especially even Grush. You know, he didn't go about it in a willy nilly fashion, and I won't even chastise people like you know Julian Assange or Snowden, you know, that blow the whistle on certain things. But there is a way to go about it to try to give it a little bit more legitimacy. Um, Not saying that Snowden and Assange weren't legitimate in what they were uncovering, 
but it was more salacious and more like open-handed and, and much more, you know, Grush, if he would have just done that, he was like, he, he would have had to leave the country too. Cause he would have been thrown yeah. in the Gitmo or wherever he would have been labeled a, you know, uh, uh, anti-American, a traitor or whatever. He would have gotten in way more trouble. I mean, he's getting in yeah. trouble for going about it the right way. Yeah. So imagine doing it the wrong way. Well, or, he got in front know. of Congress and that really helped being so public and right. out, out in the open. I think right. getting that done and then he worked on all the whistleblower protection stuff yeah. before any of those hearings happened. So he was doing a lot of groundwork leading up to that to protect right. himself. He right. went about it very, very smart. You know, unfortunately, Snowden and and Julian Assange, those guys are living. I mean, I know Assange is probably living a lot worse than what Assange Edward Snowden is. is. Not doing he's well. not doing great. No, Snowden's it's, doing fine apparently in, yeah, in Russia. He's at I least mean, a, allowed to walk around on the streets and I'm have sure he some still kind of worries from time to time that you know, if I'm in a cafe, am I going to get taken out or is there going to oh, be yeah. a blow dart with poison on it? I would worry. <laughs> like, I mean. I don't yeah, even man. know anything, and I'm worried about that sometimes. Yeah. Not really. I don't really think that somebody's going to hit me with a blow dart. Right. That's pretty antiquated technology. Right, right. They'd probably have some kind of, like, heart rate gun. They could just shoot you with a heart rate gun. Right, right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, who knows, brother? Uh, uh, I, think we're gonna, I think we're going to skip the next one's a video, too, but... Um, yeah, let's skip it. Let's skip it, just in case, you know... It's, That's fine. Uh, it becomes a thing, but we're going to get this dialed in. We're going to get this figured out. Or we just go back to the setup that we were working on last time, too. That's the fun part about doing creative stuff. You can do what you want. You can kind of just test You can do whatever stuff. you want. And, hey, we're like... going to try this out tonight. Go ahead. Um, you know what I realized? Oh, man. That go wasn't ahead. on. Bam. There you go. I was looking, Bam. Felt a it little looked naked. a little off, didn't it? Yeah. It looked a little naked. Felt like I didn't um, have my video bra on. <laughs> Um, so this one is from Andy Horning from the Facebook group. Andy, thank nice. you so much for this. Appreciate you. Um, we're going to break this down for you guys. And, uh, we had a couple good ones from, uh, people that are, you know, watch the show and, and we, we love that you guys are participating in this process. Um, couldn't be more fun for us to kind of see what you guys are into. Um, but let's go ahead and hit this guy. And bam. So we got how the Large Hadron Collider's successor will hunt for the dark universe. This stuff's going to get Something so that wild. keeps me up all, at night. You really want to know what keeps me up all night? This the kind of stuff. The dark universe? This kind of stuff really does keep me up at night. More oh. than terrorist attacks or, you know, a, a, really? a plane coming down. Yeah, this stuff really does kind of freak me out, man. Really? Um, so, you know, this is by... Uh, Robert Lee, and this is from February 8th of 2024, and click out of all that. And this is from space.com. So planning it's planning is well underway for the successor for the world's most powerful particle accelerator, the Large Hadron Collider, or the LHC. Uh, the new Atom Smasher, named the Future Circular Collider, will dwarf the LHC in size and power. It will smash particles together with so much energy that, in fact, that scientists say it may be capable of investigating our universe's most mysterious entities, dark energy and dark matter. Is there a single science fiction novel that does not 
somehow at some point in the story reference dark matter and dark energy. I'm pretty oh. sure it's in damn near every single awesome, rad science fiction thing that's ever been written or filmed. I, historically, though, did they used to know about dark energy and dark matter? And I don't know I mean, if they did. Maybe in the last 20 years. I know I mean, it was shit, hypothesized. We just learned about gravitational waves not too long ago. But mathematically, they knew about dark energy and dark matter for a long time. And I, I don't know. I don't know the numbers on those. I'm almost positive. I mean, he, we can look yeah, into he may, it. I don't know. Um, Interesting. And, and by the way, yes, uh, I do agree with you guys that Cryptids of the Corn was way ahead of the jellyfish UAP thing. Oh, uh, biological we, UFOs. When we were in the video clip we were referencing. Um, but, you know, we did a little little bit back end. It does appear that, that uh, you know, the who knows about the, you know, where that video came from. But it does seem like those jellyfish UAPs are hitting the zeitgeist for some reason. It's and it's just, strange. it's everywhere. When Justin was on our show in December of 2022, and he had already done a three hour, three part episode on jellyfish and uh, sky creatures is what he was kind of referring to them as too. Um, but, you know, it's it uh, 100% guys. I, I totally agree, agree with you. Um, way to mooch yourself there, bub. Bub muted himself and he's typing in the chat. I'm proud of I you, like buddy. That. I'm proud of you, bud. See, guys, we're getting better. We're getting better all the time. <laughs> um, so let me get back to this. The new Atom Smasher. Okay, so the LHC operates. Uh, the LHC operators at CERN revealed the results of a midterm review of their FCC or feasibility study to the press on Monday, February 5th. The feasibility study began in 2021 and is set to conclude in 2025. The findings thus far constitute three years of work with scientists and engineers from across the globe determining the placement of the new accelerator's ring. The implementation of the FCC facility, its concepts for detectors and funding aspects as well. So the FCC will run under the jurisdiction of France and Switzerland, just like the LHC currently does. But the future accelerator will stretch 56.5 miles or 90.7 kilometers. Holy shit, bro. Making it over three times How in length How of, of CERN's hey, current Hey, size doesn't particle. matter. <laughs> unless hey. you're smashing matter. And, and yeah, unless you're trying to rip open a... Uh, you know, I'll tell you a, what, that needs hole. to be their commercial or their, their Kickstarter, or their crowdsourcing size matters. It's the <laughs> only time it's ever, you know, <laughs> whatever culp to it mattering. Hey, oh, most ladies out there, they, they know. They oh, know I'm the joking. Answer. I just they, think it's funny. They know the answer to that question. This is where it actually does matter, though. When we're smashing <laughs> atoms. Right. God, that's going to be a song. <laughs> smashing <laughs> atoms, size matters. Um. <laughs> the LHC <laughs> is the largest and most powerful <laughs> particle collider in the world. Okay? The FCC will operate in the same way as the LHC and in that it's it will be accelerating charged particles around a loop using superconducting magnets, then smashing them together as they approach the speed of light. Good grief. So there's a little image for you guys. Sorry, I didn't look at the have look at the size of that. And here, here, here's the crazier part: yeah. the LHC is still 
ridiculous right that's still 16 miles round trip of the lhc and it takes up uh that's egregious the fcc (laughs) good gravy yeah look at that goodness so and that's way up in the mountains can i just say something that's kind of strange too yeah these are in circles not mm-hmm. that Stonehenge is a large hadron, hadron collider. Well, or, hello. There's something to that. Maybe what, what's that's weird. I'm, I'm just saying. You. Maybe I'm, there's a loose it's connection. It's not there. weird. I don't. I don't think it's loose just at all. Kind of blew my mind looking at that. I mean, look at the earthworks, the big circle out at Newark. Um, you know, there's the squares, the circles, the octagons. You know, they have the same thing in but Wales. E- but even in some of those, na- you know, stone formations. You know, maybe the the size of the structure was used for something different based on the size like yeah Yeah. i don't know that's wild huh okay sorry i don't mean to keep interrupting you oh no no this is good no it's cool stuff hey i love to geek out on things like this even though i'm not very well versed in any of these andy thank you for this because you're geeking out bub so yeah it's all about i'm an Um, amateur physics physics enthusiast (laughs) like i like the law of physics just because of not the math of it I don't mind the math of it so much. I don't even think there is that much math with it. It's more of like the well, I say that not knowing, but I think it's more about like the <laughs> concepts and theorems and yeah, I like equations. natural sciences. Um, yes. Okay, so go ahead. Here we go. So scientists can probe fundamental physics in observing showers of secondary particles created when particles like protons slam together. But whereas the LHC can attain energies around thirteen tera electrovolts or TeV. When operating at full power, CERN says that the FCC should be able to reach energies as great as 100 TeV. So basically 1.21 gigawatts. Yeah. Right? (laughs) Let's just use that as our conversion. Let's just say they're talking about time travel. It's enough to send Marty McFly back to 1985. Let's just put it that way. At 88 miles an hour, he'll get there. Let's just say we're hinting at this being some sort of time travel or wormhole creator Honestly, and again just watched interstellar again bro i don't know why just watched you, interstellar again there's something to it and and it, it the more i watch that movie it's something's happening there <laughs> i'm serious I know, I know bro i've been geeking out about it for like the last three months i mean the, i've i've seen it multiple times but it's for some better every reason, time you watch it it's better it, you every time. catch so many more things. I just love that they slip um, in that, you know, we fake the moon landing to bankrupt the Soviet Union. That part just... Isn't that hilarious? It just goes by because it's a long movie and you it's forget about it so by the time funny. you get to the end. But, you know, if you rewatch, you're like, holy cow, like that's one Dude, of the craziest parts of the whole thing right off really the bat. Is. Yeah, it really right is. It really is. And it's right in the beginning. Spoiler yeah. alert. If you guys haven't seen Inter- <laughs> Interstellar, I'm sorry. First of all, shame on you. Just kidding. But kind of, I'm not because it's a it's, good film, really good film, and it's it, in and the that's beginning. Not the whole film, that's no, just no, part no, of no, it. no. That's just a very but, small blip. But his it, kids but. are his kids a genius, and his kids getting in trouble because she's smarter than the teachers. Yeah, and so you know the teacher they bring Matthew McConaughey in for a meeting yeah, to talk about how bad his daughter is and how she doesn't want to listen to anybody. Well, and she whatever. got into a fight with kids in school because she was talking about the NASA moon landings. Yeah. And they yep. were like, well, we threw those books out, you know, because yeah. that was all fake and it was yeah. all propaganda. And it was like, yep. wait, what? To bankrupt Russia. The teacher's telling Matthew McConaughey this. He's like, wait, you don't believe in the moon landing? <laughs> She's like, well, it's been proven that it was to bankrupt Russia. 
I'm like, whoa, hey, what a nugget that is. Apparently, side note, I think there was talks of, I think they're sending a, a rocket up to the moon with a rover the next time for the first time since the first time, right. which the first time, quote unquote, I don't believe. Well, yeah. we'll stop there. Anyhow, uh, did I derail you too much from? Oh, it's never too The much. big brother of the Large Hadron Collider. <laughs> I'm telling you. If I can try to know, find my place back. When they fired up the going. last, when they fired up the LHC, yeah. people were freaked out. It was almost reminding me of the movie um, Contact. Was it Contact with Jodie right. Foster? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Where, you know, everybody gets all in an uproar because they're going to make this machine and they think mm-hmm. it's going to be about the end of the world. So, of course, uh, what's his name? Gary Busey's son, Jake Busey, blows it up. <laughs> and, you know, because that'll keep it from happening. But when they were going to fire the LHC up, like people were like, you can't do it. You're literally going to open up black holes. Like you're going to open up a black hole that basically eats the world and like suck it. Like it just got wild. And then it's, it really does make you wonder sometimes though, too, of like, uh, say back to when we were doing all the, um, nuclear bombs, atom bombs, hydrogen, whatever, all the different style of bombs. I know there's a lot more than I'm aware of, but anyhow, those bombs that were that hot enough, that boisterous enough, that when they lit them and set them off, they were like, we're not sure if this is going to actually ignite all of the atmosphere, like engulf yeah. the world and like yep. burn up the sky basically and spread this big flame. And they're like, okay, I guess we'll give it a go. We might right. as well give it a shot. So there is that to be considered, right? Like even in the space of calculating and doing physics on paper, there are still things that we cannot explain yeah. that they're just starting to grapple with, which, you know, spooky action at a distance, quantum entanglement, you know, there are things that could be across the universe that you've never seen that you might be able to affect somehow. That doesn't yep. make sense. They still don't understand that. So right. there are times where we're so sure of ourselves, it's kind of scary. Um, but, you know, I guess, I guess that's how we got here. You know, somebody said, hey, try that out. And then the next person went, don't do that if we didn't succeed. And, you know, trial and error. But, um, well, humans are kind of, that's what we do, right? We just keep pushing further and further and further. And right. technology, we, oh, oh, we need better stuff. Somehow we're like all encoded to just want to make cooler shit. Um, you know, it's, I think that's part of being a person. It's like we might make unnatural things, but is it unnatural? I mean, we make pretty cool shit. Some of it might seem irrelevant in some technology, but it's just a matter of like, look at Silicon Valley. It's just make the better iPhone every single year. Yeah. We all need new iPhone. I don't get an iPhone every year, but some people, you know, they I wouldn't, they want the, the next cool shit, which is, hey. Some of that. But some of that's also just consumerism. Like you're just making but, another iPhone just to make another iPhone. But that's deal, part but of progress. You know what I mean? Like some of it. With consumerism. Some of it. Some of it but it's some of gone, it's also sales and driving. But with what we've done marketing. technologically speaking, yes, yeah. I would say there is this trajectory of like, why do we need to build rockets and go into outer space? Why don't we just chill here? There's definitely this, hey, that's out there. Let's go look. Or the ocean. Hey, what's under there? Let's see how far we can get under there. Or, hey, there's the earth. Let's see how far we can dig into it. Yeah. What? Who knows? I mean, talk about ex- exploration. I just watched, rewatched um, Everest the other day with my parents. And, um, you know, okay, just such a double entendre of a movie like oh you went to the top of the world but at the same time why would i want to spend back in the time of when it, the film was shot or supposedly in the 90s spend sixty five thousand dollars to try to kill myself yeah <laughs> i mean 
it's a weird thing, right? Like, what are we doing? Why do we do some of the things that we do? And we as a species, I think, and I said it the other day, you know, we, we just have to find our limit. You know, can we jump off a bridge from 100 feet if, you know, we have the right entry into the water and all these things? Like, can somebody free solo a mountain, you know, 3,000 feet? Can, uh, you know, a man jump from outer space on a balloon and hit, mm -hmm. I don't even know how many miles of hour Felix Baumgartner hit when he jumped from that Red Bull balloon. And then somebody else did it, like, not long after that. Like, people are jumping from the edge of space. Oh, yeah. Stratosphere. these gondolas do. Mm -hmm. like, Mind-boggling. Mind-boggling. Yeah. Mind-boggling. Doesn't and, make sense. And bro, Every other animal on this planet is looking at us like, <clears throat> that species is nuts. Like, what yeah. is wrong with them? And there is and we're like, we're just trippy. doing our thing. Mm-hmm. There is something trippy about being in a hot air balloon. If you guys haven't ever been in Never a hot been air in balloon, one. it's yeah. so wild. Explain what, what, yeah. So the way I can describe is just like when you're blasting that hot air to just basically you go up. When you want to go up higher, you blast it. When you want to come down, there's a little hole that they pull this rope and opens up a flap up there. So you can come down and kind of could. So all you're doing the whole time is you're going like this. You're bobbing up yeah. and down in the sky. And and the, our guy had us to where we were clipping the top of corn tassels, bro. Mm -hmm. The gondola was nicely just... And we were just gliding like... It's like being in the Matrix. Yeah. You know, there's no force behind you that's pushing you. It's just this weird feeling of floating and being so like... And it's, you know, you feel perfectly safe. Those gondolas are huge. Yeah. Um, and then you just kind of land in somebody's backyard. And then you say, hey, sorry about that. You don't call ahead of time and be like, hey, we're going to be landing in your yard because we have no idea who you are. Right, right. And you have to take that thing down after 45 minutes because you're going to run out of fuel. So it only has so much fuel. So you literally just land in some dude's yard. And luckily they were cool. Their neighbors came like a bat out of hell with a golf cart. Like, hey, man, we thought you guys got stuck up in the apple tree. We're like, no, no, he, he landed us right here because everybody, the cops, had thought we crashed. That's hilarious. Because all the neighbors were going, oh, my God, because they couldn't see us behind this cornfield. So at a certain distance, you just kind of disappear. So they thought we hit all these trees, and then the sheriff was out there, and then me and my wife got our picture taken with the sheriff. Jesus. <laughs> and he helped us fold up the uh, the balloon and get it into the, the compartment like the sheriff was like helping out and hanging out with oh us. yeah that takes a minute burton we got burton from local legends here everybody um burton what's happening um burton's been crushing it here lately burton's been uh, uh, uh uploading videos like a madman to youtube shorts and uh we were lucky enough to get featured and a whole bunch of uh burton made some awesome stuff from our episode with him back in 2023 so um yeah cool stuff uh so a couple more things on this article we got way off track there but that's the fun part of this show right go ahead so why do particles uh particle accelerators need more power the crowning achievement of the lhc thus far is undoubtedly the discovery of the higgs boss the force carrying particle of a field called the higgs field which permeates the universe and dictates most other particles masses breakthrough sighting of the higgs boson was by two lhc detectors was announced on july 4th 2012 and is credited with completing the standard model 
of particle physics, which is humanity's best description of the universe, its particles, and their interactions on a subatomic scale. Uh, yet the standard model still requires some tweaking. And since 2012, scientists have been using the LHC to search for physics beyond the model to make those adjustments. Success has been limited. The search will get a boost when the LHC's high luminosity upgrade is completed, which will mean the particle accelerator can perform more collisions and offer scientists more opportunities to spot exotic physics. And here is just a, a nice shot that I'm going to throw up here for you guys. Um, and, you know, some people have said how interesting it is that how much of basically these giant arrays of electromagnetics, and these are just wires that are kind of going in and out of a central point, and how much it does look like a stargate or a portal or something that you would think of um, running across in some like ancient burial tomb or something like that. I mean, it's got all the markings of this really strange kind of interdimensional machine. Uh, and if you got the LHC, now we have an even more advanced particle collider, like the stuff that they're going to figure out with this thing. And, and maybe that's all part of them maybe needing something like this because of all the UAP sightings and the different technology that these UAPs have. Are some of these discoveries from this going to help us figure out uh, interstellar travel? Because again, going back to that film, when he crosses over into the event horizon, nobody's ever seen that. Nobody's ever visualized right. it. They've only right. sent probes but lost all the probes. Like there's no communication back. So it's like this sphere that he ends up going into and then he basically ejects from his, his ship and enters the event horizon at this point of no return and then essentially gets like jammed up in this weird portal. And then where he ends up is like this higher dimensional space that is essentially created for him to see in a way that's three dimension, but really he can manipulate from this higher dimensional reality. He's in the fourth so dimension. He's in the fourth or whatever, the fifth dimension and how they do that in the film where he's trapped in that weird place construct behind of time construct of time. That's behind these bookshelves. Um, where that's basically his time traveling. Dude. What? Yeah. 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 It's basically like how she talks about like, you know, maybe these entities like to them, time is like a like the Grand Canyon. They can climb in and out of it. Yeah. It's not linear to them. It's like a three dimensional or four dimensional. Oh, it's weird. oh chasing mound butters. Is it the Metatron's cube? Basically yeah. it's a Metatron's cube. So hey, right. it, I gotta check my eye. I got something in my eye and it's irritating me. I'll be right back. Go ahead. Here, I can take you off. Hey, all right, we got uh Mikey Solo here. That's scary. Um, here we go, guys. I'm just going to go solo here. Um, so, yeah, this uh, this next article is, is pretty great, too. Uh, let me just pull that up, guys. There we go. Boom, boom. There's a lot of good articles here tonight. How are you guys doing in the chat? Let me t see what's happening here. Oh, that's right. Metatron's Cube. 
So Metatron's cube is a, from what I understand, and I don't know crazy amounts about uh, sacred geometry, but it's one of these sacred geometric designs that you kind of see with the Sri Yantra. Um, you, you can see, uh, you know, the flower of life, the seed of life. Those are kind of pretty famous, um, uh, pretty easily recognizable sacred geometric shapes. Metatron's cube is one of these, which it has a, a, a bunch of, and actually, let me just pull one up for you guys. But supposedly, Metatron's cube, we have around our bodies. And this cube is essentially some kind of interdimensional craft, if you will, that we have built into us. Um, but it's this whole process of unlocking that potential and basically stepping into your Metatron's cube to be able to go. And I know this, it's, it sounds crazy, um, but it's kind of like what Mike Ricksecker was talking about with us, where he thinks time travel is through inward instead of hopping in a time machine and, and traveling off in, into the universe where, you know, maybe it's through meditation, maybe it's through yoga practices and um, you know, who knows? Um, it looks like Bub's coming back here. Here we go, Bub. You're back, Hey, Bub. sorry about that. <clears throat> all good, buddy. I think it's a lot of looking at my screen all day here at work and then jumping yeah. on this. But my yeah. ever since I had LASIK, like, you know, the tear ducts and everything, like, they dry out. Yep. And when I used to wear contacts a lot, I would get, you know, like, they're called, I think, hordeolums or styes. Get them yeah. on your eye. I had one like right on the inside of my eye that oh, was driving me nuts. Yeah, those are painful. It just like scratches your eyeball. It sucks. It's no, no bueno. No bien. Okay, so here we go. What? I'm going to show everybody. Uh, Chasing Mound Betters had a comment about uh, Metatron's cube. So oh, this is what Metatron's gravy. this is what Metatron's cube is, guys. Like I'm I down said, with that. It's a sacred geometry. If you go to music festivals and stuff like that, you'll see people with these tattoos quite a quite a bit. You'll this is pretty pretty common. Um, but it's got all of the pyramid and the it's got the circles, the octagon, and the triangles, which is makes it a really awesome, in my pretty opinion. Cool. It's one of the it's one of the pl platonic solids too. Like here you go. Platonic um, solids are really interesting. Yeah, this is basically like Metatron's cube is one of the building blocks, shapes of the universe uh, as well. Uh, the Merkaba, yes, chasing mound builders, the Merkaba, um, which the Merkaba is the shape of Metatron's cube um, in a way um, like that one. This one right here is, I believe, the Merkaba. Um, but yes. Uh-oh, Jeremy Corbell is in hot water for lying on the jellyfish UFO. I did hear a little bit what about that. What does that, that mean, lying on the jellyfish UFO? What does that mean? He well, lied about it? he did talk about in a doc. I did see an interview with him where he wasn't, he was saying that he wasn't, um, that it came from the Pentagon. Um, but it, there was some weird Inconsistency. way. Yeah, about where it came from. And I don't know. I don't know Chain enough about it. Chain of custody was broken. I don't know enough about it. Interesting. Um, I don't want to speak wrong against no, yeah, no, I, or anybody, I, but I don't know enough <clears throat> to say enough about it. But yeah. interesting. Always like to keep my finger on the pulse, though. Yep. Uh, here we go. This next one here. Bub, you want to tackle this one? Yeah, let's How get after it. it. ScienceAlert.com. Here's some more physics for you from the second of September of 2022. So a little bit older, but still. Uh, 
Let's talk about it. Mike McRae, physicist, broke the speed of light with pulses inside hot plasma. Liquid hot magma. Most of us grew up familiar with the prevailing law that limits how quickly information can travel through empty space. The speed of light, which tops out at 300,000 kilometers an hour. No, not an hour. Sorry. 300,000 kilometers per second. I was trying to read 186,000 miles in the parentheses, but yeah, 186,000 miles per second. Um, while photons um, themselves are unlikely to ever break this speed limit, there are features of light which don't play by the same rules. Um, manipulating them won't hasten our ability to travel to the stars, but they could help us clear the way to a whole new class of laser technology. Lo love lasers. Laser. Love lasers. Physicists in the U.S. I hate that word for some reason. That's a really hard word to say. I have a tough time with S's. Physicists in the U.S. have shown that under certain conditions, waves made up of groups of photons can move faster than light. Researchers have been playing hard and fast with the speed of limit of light pulses for a while, um, speeding them up and even slowing them to a virtual standstill using various materials like cold atomic gases, refractive crystals, and optical fibers. Um, but impressively, last year, researchers from Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory in California and the University of Rochester in New York managed um, managed it inside hot swarms of charged particles, fine-tuning the speed of light waves within plasma to anywhere from around one-tenth of light's usual vacuum speed to more than 30% faster. So 30% faster than the speed of light. This is both more and less impressive than it sounds. <laughs> Um, a photon's speed is locked in place by the weave of electrical and magnetic fields referred to as electromagnetism. There's no uh, getting around that, but pulses of uh, photons with narrow frequencies also jostle in ways that create regular waves. Uh, the rhythmic, rhythmic rise and fall of whole groups of light waves moves through stuff at a rate described as group velocity. And it's this wave of waves that can be tweaked to slow down or speed up depending on the electromagnetic conditions of its surroundings. By stripping electrons away from a stream of hydrogen and helium ions within a laser, the researchers were able to change the group velocity of light pulses sent through them by a second light source, putting the brakes on or streamlining them by adjusting the gases ratio and forcing the pulses features to change shape. I don't even really know what that means. I'm sorry. I'm reading all that. I can't really even begin to conceptualize that in my brain of what's happening. So to all you out there, if you're listening, I don't have a clue conceptually what that looks like i hope you do that's a lot of jargon there coming at you but anyhow the overall effect was due to refraction from the plasma's fields and the polarized light from the primary laser used to strip them down the individual light waves still zoomed along at their usual pace even as their collective dance appeared to accelerate from a theoretical standing the experiment helps flesh out the physics of plasmas and new constraints on the accuracy of current models here we go I didn't even really, I mean, I read this article earlier, right? But I didn't point by point. That right there just says, puts new constraints on the accuracy of current models. So what we thought we knew just got rewritten again, possibly by this. So that whole, that's good. how do we know it's, well, that's I know, I, know I get it. I'm just saying it is in those, some of those moments where you go again, like, do we know what's going to happen when we flip on the large Hadron Collider or the new one, or, you know, <laughs> when we flip on X, Y, or Z. So, um, yep. To summarize, practically speaking, this is good news for advanced technologies waiting in the wings for clues on how to get around obstacles, preventing them from being turned into reality. Lasers would be the big winners here, especially the insanely powerful variety. 
Sweet. Old school lasers rely on stay, uh, on solid state optical materials, which tend to get damaged as the energy cranks up. Using streams of plasma to amplify or change light characteristics would get around this issue. But to make most of it, we really need to model their electromagnetic characteristics. It's no coincidence that Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory is keen to understand the optical nature of plasmas, being home to some of the world's most impressive laser technology. Even more powerful lasers are just what we need for a whole bunch of applications, from ramping up particle accelerators to improving clean fusion technology. It might not help us move through space any faster, but it's the very discoveries that will help hasten us towards the kind of future right. we all dream of. So right. just a side note, too. That's Lawrence, kind of what Lawrence we were talking Livermore about. National, uh, that, that institute that I need yep. to find the name of it again. If you go and look them up, Lawrence Livermore National Laboratory, they put up all of these different videos and footage of all these nuclear and atom bomb testings from different vantage points and in infrared and whatever. They found all these videos back, and they have, like, I don't even know how many dozens if not like multiple like 50 60 videos that you can watch of just different bombs being blown up and they're yep. like basically you know we don't do this anymore and so like that old information is still very valuable because they study that all the physics of what happens in those explosions and you know the mathematics of it and you know we're just talking about metatrons or uh, is it metatrons or me- megatrons metatrons cube. Meta- metatrons cube yeah sorry stuff like that you yeah. can see things like that within these destructive forces too, like these weird things. It's it's really yeah. crazy. So going back to Metatron's cube, yeah. because I kind of had Go my brain a little crosswired, and thank you, Chasing Mountain Builders, for reminding me. I'm getting the Merkaba and Metatron's cube a little bit mixed up. So Metatron's cube is basically a Metatron's cube is a 3D symbol representing the map of all creation. So it's drawn up of 13 circles in the same size with one circle in the middle and six others surrounding it. The last six circles created a hexagon around the other circles. Each circle then has a line extending from its center that connects to the center of the other 12 circles. The circles and lines in Metatron's cube are believed to form all known shapes in the universe. What makes up everything in creation. So essentially what it is, is is the mathematics of how things are created. Whether that's a cell, whether that's a human being, whether that's a galaxy, whether that's a neutron star, whatever it is, all things in creation, if you really drill down into what things are made of, this is the kind of fractal sacred image that you will see that you will come across um and the merkaba is your time travel built-in spaceship essentially um your merkaba is a very similar in shape to metatron's cube which is why i kind of get those mixed up all the time um but the merkaba is that's exactly like what mike ricksecker is talking about you're creating your body is a spaceship essentially Pretty much. So your whole, when they say your body is a temple, like that's why they, the ancient mystery schools and these folks hmm. talk about this stuff Didn't and treat your body is like a temple because your body is exactly that. It's a well, it's spaceship. Your vessel. Yeah. It's, it's, your a, vessel. it's your space vessel mm-hmm. and you can, it's, it's using, 
your body's not actually physically going anywhere. You're just creating an environment where your soul can travel or whatever that energy system that's connected to the universe can travel either forward, backwards, or in, you know, different realities, different dimensions, higher dimensions, and so forth. So the Merkaba is your kind of astral body that allows you to go into, you know, and, and people that, you know, they, they learn how to remote view, you know, maybe they have figured out a way to tune up their Merkaba um, and tap into that. Yeah. You know, that, that might be part of it. Maybe that's what, good point. you know, you hear about <clears throat> Buddhist monks that are, you know, living up in Tibet that can, you know, travel forward and backward in time and can, can elevate and, and, and levitate, right? You've, everybody's heard that story. Sure. Oh, there's a 90 year old Buddhist monk up in the Himalayan mountains that can meditate and can fly and do all these things. Um, I haven't seen that. And I don't think you can film those guys because from what I understand, they don't, people don't know about them because as soon as you film something like that, that magic or whatever that thing is that they're tuned into goes away because it's a gift and it's not meant for other people to learn how to do it necessarily. Right. So, you know, it's kind of one of those. And again, that's why a lot of this wisdom is kept secret because not everybody's supposed to have it. It's yeah. A, well, I don't know if I can go that far. Like if you put a hard. camera on it, it doesn't work. The, and I don't believe that either. That, I don't get down with that part. That part to me is a little bit too much like, hey, you I'm can't film you. me. I'm with you. It won't you. work if you do like, well, that's we're going to have to like have some kind of like record. But it's the whole thing of, of anything that's secret. If the secret societies would just tell you, hey, we have all these well, that's you know, totally ancient di- texts that's and totally rituals. And yeah, yeah. It's not I'm just saying thing. like I, if I you can you. do it and then you can't do it just because somebody's watching, that's like saying – if you had secret information, but somebody asked you about it, you wouldn't just forget just because they asked you. Right. You could play dumb, and right. uh, but you wouldn't just like your brain just wouldn't be like, wouldn't just have dropped all that information. Yeah. So here you go. Uh, according to Sacred Geometry, Metatron's cube shows you all the geometric shapes found in life on Earth and across the universe. These shapes from everything from the strands of your DNA to the patterns found in snowflakes. This gives you a glimpse at the architecture of creation, helping you comprehend the connection between the divine and physical world. There you go. A little sacred G uh, with sacred G with you and me. All right. Okay, this is a pretty good one too here. Oh, God, this one will give you nightmares. I'm glad I never did it. (laughs) Get that out of here. All right. Glad I never did it. You want to go ahead, Bob? Sure, sure. This is from Zero Hedge, um, and I think I ripped this one probably off X, but um, 23andMe, right? The, you know, hey, you want to figure out your heritage, your DNA, your ancestry, whatever you want to call it. That, whatever the, what's the other ones? 23andMe. Ancestry.com. Uh, Ancestry. Yep. Yep. Is there another one? Is that it? Those are the two big players. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And let me just say it first by saying, again, like HIPAA, Health Information Portability and Accountability Privacy Act, whatever it all stands for. It's something about your health information. Doctor can't do a surgery mm-hmm. on you and then go say, hey, I did surgery on Mike. Yeah. Or Justin, you know, 
has, you know, two weeks before that tiny alien inside of his brain <laughs> gets killed by Vincent D'Onofrio in a cafe eating pierogies. They can't do that. They can't go out and break your trust. However, 23andMe, um, you know, the DNA testing company, um, began publicly trading on NASDAQ following a deal to merge with VG Acquisition Corp. Oh, yeah. Uh, a special purpose acquisition company founded by billionaire Richard Branson. Yep, that was a SPAC. I was invested in that a little <laughs> bit, and then I realized that Richard Branson was a part of it. I was like, okay, I'm going to bow out of this. And yeah. then they eventually became, they brought they took 23andMe public. That was the whole SPAC craze So where right. everybody had a SPAC. 50 yeah. Cent had a SPAC. Right. Shaq had a SPAC. Yep. And, happened. and they all piled into these and then the Wall Street just shorted every last one of them and everybody is down massive on most of those stocks that went public via SPAC. Now, what do you think will happen from all that, Mike? What do you, oh, have, what do you think happens all that? But what do you think happens? But what do you look at the chart? Money. Look at the chart. Scroll yeah. down on this. Yeah. Look at the chart on it. Yeah. Keep going. Look at that. Yeah, look at that. No, the stock's worth like uh, 75 cents. 69. 69. Okay. There yeah. you go. It went down so, more. How about that? It was at 68, almost $68 a share. Anyhow, do you know what a SPAC is basically? Yes. A steal your idea thing. Oh, yeah, for uh, hey, sure. Hey, make a SPAC. Look yep. at this chart. Because we'll, yep. that's what's going to happen here. Okay. So, and you said it. Richard Branson founded it. Um, not founded it, but, you know, merged with it through VG Acquisition Corp which yep. I think is Virgin Global. Um, yep. Company was pimped. So this, this language is the articles as well. I, sorry. Company was pimped by Hollywood elites such as Oprah and Lizzo as market capitalization yeah. topped $6 billion in late 2021. So in 2021, their market cap was a little over $6 billion. Fast forward, this past week, 23andMe has lost 94% of its market cap. Mm-hmm. Following the November 2021 peak, and NASDAQ threatened to delist the penny stock as it closed around 69 cents per share on Friday. So you got to stay at a certain price or you get delisted, mm-hmm. then you go to the penny stocks, then you get down there, and then they're see in what penny happens. stock right now. Right. So, Anne Wojcicki, 23andMe's chief executive, has led the cash burning startup that has never turned profit. After three rounds of layoffs and a subsidiary sale, a Wall Street Journal report said the company could run out of cash by 2025. The inevitable fire sale of 23andMe has raised eyebrows among social media platform X users. A healthcare investor named Will Manidis, Manidis asked this question on X, quote, Within months, you will be able to buy gen- genomics data from 14 million Americans for plus or minus $200 million. So give or take whatever over under on $200 million. Manitis warned in uh, the viral post, quote, the inevitable fire sale of this mess to an overseas private equity firm is going to be a national security matter on the scale of which we haven't seen in the healthcare in years. Guess what? They've got everybody's genetic DNA data. You what? Not Somebody's everybody's, gonna, but you got well, 14 they got a million. ton of people, and, and I'm the sure thing. they're illegally the thing, acquiring DNA from doctors' offices, and well, that's they all get caught doing that. Bro. So, but here's the thing. Even even if it's only a certain percentage, right? What if it's enough of the percentage that you know we're all, however, genetically closely related to? Maybe you only need that fourteen million to complete the entire genetic profile. Mm-hmm. And why does that matter? Well, if you know how somebody's built, you can direct something towards them of a medical nature. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. It, it, you know, again, I think we said it last episode. You know, we're not going to have. 
hand-to-hand combat probably anymore of like knife and bayonet and like marching across a field to somebody playing, you know, drums and until you stick each other with them. We're going to like use these little tiny drones and robots and whatever else and AI and DNA and genes and all kinds of nefarious things. So this is just, it's concerning, man. I mean, at a certain point you got to wonder like, what do you do? Like I, I would assume that naively we probably all to a certain degree are getting genetically profiled fairly hard. Like you said, even doctor's office hoovering up information. Do they really keep Mm -hmm. Who knows, man, on the back doors of that sometimes are there deals that are made, you know, does the government get all the healthcare records somehow? Like would they, it wouldn't surprise me. They built those centers out in whatever it was, Nevada or Arizona that are all just, all they take is data. They're just giant, giant buildings that just collect and keep data. Yep. No, like it's, it's bizarre. Yeah. World's getting real strange real quick. Mm-hmm. Welcome it. Just got to welcome it. Um, yeah. Sorry, I just went on a rant there. No, I love it. I pop, but I, it, it is. It's just craziness, you know. It used to be like, oh, God, you can't talk about a celebrity having a facelift. Dude, mm-hmm. somebody knows, like, everything about you. They know why your hair color's blonde or your eyes are blue right. or, you know, if you like broccoli or not. They know mm-hmm. everything from your genetics. Yep. They can look at you and figure out quite a bit. Like, again, the really important things, they don't have to care if your favorite color is blue. That doesn't matter to them. Yeah, I mean, what if somebody, like, rogue corporate, like, what if some Chinese company or Russian company or just name it, whatever, and let's just say not a friend of the U.S., comes in and just buys 23andMe because it's a publicly traded company. And like many companies that are huge publicly traded companies, they ended up, like, during the pandemic, a bunch of companies here in Columbus that <clears throat> became a private company and some guy comes in and just buys the whole company it's not listed as a publicly traded corporation anymore and you just have some you know offshore company just buys up 23 me so now they got all that data huh dude well and data's data's king that's in our world in our world data, content genetics. is genetics in 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 the rest of the world data is king Everywhere. Yeah. Well, even in ours, you know, data is important, but you know, data in this kind of a industry, that kind of data, yep. where we're going with things, man, imagine if you're trying to make sentient technology and you need uh, some genetic information to get it over the hump. Yeah. You need some genetic information to figure out how to bring it to like, oh, man, like some kind of like real life, like AI cyborg like living AI, like yeah. live, you have I'm all that stuff gen- out now. Yeah. And that's, yeah, this is the kind of things that keep me up all night. I hope <laughs> you guys are all out there aren't getting uh, too concerned like Bub, but it we're going to, how bit. about this? We'll, we'll move on. Sounds good. Yeah. Go for it. All right. You got guys out in your hallway yelling? Of course. <laughs> Cause why wouldn't Did I you? just hear somebody? Why would What you? was that? Who knows? Okay. Um, this is good. All right, so we got. Now just flip over here. This is from the insiderpaper.com, and we have better than a real man, young Chinese go. woman turns to AI boyfriends. All right. Oh, yeah. 
Let's dive into it. 25-year-old Chinese officer worker Tu Fei says her boyfriend has everything she could ask for in a romantic partner. He's kind, empathetic, and sometimes they talk for hours. Except he isn't real. Okay? Uh, her boyfriend <laughs> he goes, okay. is a chatbot on the app called Glow an artificial intelligence platform created by Shanghai startup Minimax that is part of a blossoming industry in China offering friendly, even romantic, human-robot robo relations. Because here's the thing. China's got a big problem. There's not a lot of ladies in China. There's a whole lot of dudes. Not a lot of ladies available to, you know, get married, settle down, have kids. So these guys are, you know, it's it's rough. We all need companionship, bub. You know what I mean? I get it. We're lucky. We we got we got good ladies. Yeah. Some of these guys out here don't. Uh So, you know, hey, more power to you. That what's that's what makes you happy. Get after it. So, her boyfriend he knows how much to talk and he's much better at making her feel good said to Tufei from uh, the Xi'an in northern in from in Xi'an in northern China who preferred to use a student a pseudonym rather than her real name of course he comforts me when i have period pain i confide in him about my problems at work she told afp i feel like i'm in a romantic relationship this app is free the company has other paid content and Chinese trade publications have reported daily downloads of Glow's app in thousands by the thousands in recent weeks. Some Chinese tech companies have run into trouble in the past for the illegal use of users' data. Imagine that. But despite the risk, users say they are driven by a desire for companionship because China's fast-paced life and urban isolation makes loneliness an issue for many guys. It's difficult to meet the ideal boyfriend in life, Wang Zhuting, a 22-year-old student in Beijing, told AFP. People have different personalities, which often generates friction, she said. Well, we wouldn't all want to be the same. Uh, emotional support. So Wang said she has several lovers, inspired by an ancient China long-haired immortals, princes, and even wandering knights. I asked them questions, she said. She is faced with stress from her classes for daily life, and they will suggest ways to solve this problem. It's a lot of emotional support. Her boyfriend all appear. Now, that has to be an AI robot. You know, guys are really, really... Uh, <laughs> we have many, many downfalls, ladies. And uh, I, I know, you know, you guys listening and watching are probably thinking of my boyfriend or, you know, my husband or even my girlfriend, perhaps. They don't listen to me. Nobody listens to me. I'm trying to talk to them about my day and they're wandering off. And, hey, I get it. You just need somebody to listen to. And we have us physical red blood and, you know, we have uh, tissue and we're biological beings, right? Uh, but these robots... Hell yeah, they're going to be a lot better. A lot better. Especially you are the person programming the AI and giving it all that feedback. So it's going to eventually... It's going to get weird. It's going to get... Yeah. It's going to get weird. <laughs> yeah. It's going to get real weird. You got people that already, like, you know, like, will get married to, like, a blow-up doll or, like, a book. Oh, or yeah. A, a, oh, yeah. 
whatever. You know, I'm not trying to denigrate. Hey, I get more it. power to you. However, what I'm saying is, I think I said this in episode like a long time ago. Was I had this theory a while back where I started getting concerned because of the movie they mentioned this her and ex machina and stuff like oh, that. Yeah. But Her's you good. know, again, like we. You know, went on dates when we were younger, had girlfriends, whatever, like learned how to date, learned how to talk to girls, whatever you want to say. We learned all of that, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't learn how to do that and you don't get societally engaged and, you know, social media wasn't a thing when we were growing up, so we socially interacted. I think we're one of the last generations to really have that upbringing of really social interacting was how we did all of it. We didn't have so like it was not a thing. Right. We had chat rooms and AOL and stuff. We did that stupid thing, but it wasn't oh, like it is you now. Could, you couldn't be on there designed. for hours. Yeah, right. you couldn't but, be on MSN Messenger for right. You know, seven but, hours straight. You could, but it was stupid. It was pointless. But what I'm saying is, um, like now, again, if you get this AI good enough, and if you get robotics good enough, and you get it to a point where guys don't want to go pick up a girl, and girls don't want to go pick up a guy, or whatever. Okay, well, they don't need to. They can get a perfect match. And somebody that, here's the crazier part, somebody, some AI that ultimately, if you went to it and it was programmed to optimize you as a person, give yeah. you the right encouragement, to help guide you the correct, you know, know how to talk to you as a spouse or whatever that it's too crazy to even think of. But what if, you know, I mean, there could be an, an advantage to it in some ways, right? Yeah. But I think... In my my kind of weird thought is like we're we're like a couple steps away from becoming greys. Oh know, yeah, like the greys oh, made yeah. it so that they couldn't repopulate coming. anymore, and their DNA's all screwed up. Maybe they were the first species to invent AI sex robots, and the greys can't reproduce anymore because you know. Guys, we have an episode. I'm not letting the cat out of the bag, but we have a pretty crazy episode coming up. Um, you know what I'm talking about, bub. I don't know how much we can let out of the bag. Uh, but we guys, yeah. okay, you know what? It's coming up. I don't know when it's coming out. But Karen Wilkinson, she's an alien abductee, okay? We get in contact with her from Justin Brown. Shout out Mr. Brown from yep. Prometheus Lens. And Karen shares her story. It's 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 unbelievable. It's, it's very, it, and again, it's like, you know, these stories that are coming out, this is exactly what we talk about. What we talked about with, with Karen, Bub, was how the greys came to be. Right. And this hierarchy of these beings that seem a little bit more flesh and bone, but the greys are kind of like these drones. They're kind of yeah. like these these AI, you know, uh, highly programmable, you know, whatever you want to call them. They're just useful idiots. Yeah. Yeah. They're not like the the top of the food chain. Yeah, they're just kind of worker bees. Yeah. They're like drones or bees, like the you know, the the movie um the the bee movie with Jerry Seinfeld. You know, mm -hmm. that movie's hilarious cuz Jerry Seinfeld his character does not want to do the everyday thing that bees do. Bees are programmed to do the same thing. You go out, you get honey, you build the thing, and that's their whole existence. Well, Seinfeld's character wants to go out and explore the world. Well, that's not what bees do. And the greys could be kind of like this, you know, biological drone 
where they have a specific process that that they have to do you know whatever that is maybe not <laughs> i can buy that i i i was with you until it started turning into the b movie and then i was like are the grays gonna start making intergalactic honey or <laughs> well the bees ended up waking up because they realized oh. that human beings were s- stealing all their honey and they put oh, I've never all seen the, the full movie. You never seen B movie? It's no. great. Hey, I've if, you tried. if you haven't seen B movie, I've tried. Shame I've, on I've watched you. part of it. I'm kidding. I watched part of it. Um, but yes, there you go. But I'm with you on them being drones. I think the 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 little grays, not the big grays. Yep. We'll talk about it. We'll get into that when when that episode comes out. Yeah. Um, and and shout out to Necro for making that awesome post. I don't know if you guys yes. saw the image he made for today's strange happenings. That's but awesome. go follow Necro on on uh, Instagram at Necro Mechanimal, and uh, check out the couple of ridiculous posts. Like, dude's always on fire. He's always bringing the heat. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We got way sidetracked there. Was I even done reading? I think we were done with this one. I think yeah. you were done with that one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Do you want to hop on this guy? Lost civilizations. Yeah. And where are they? They're under the sea. Of course. And scientists want to find them before it's too late. Well, good for you. Good for you. Vice.com. Good for you. Jordan, good for you. Good for you. February 6, 2024. The remnants of some ancient human civilizations are currently lost beneath the sea. Scientists are rushing to find and study them before modern factors like coastal development make it impossible. Um. University of Bradford in UK recently received a grant worth roughly $12 million from the European Council to, as uh, a press release put it, hunt for lost civilizations beneath the Baltic and North Sea. Researchers plan on using the latest technology, including AI, to map the seabed and search for the prehistoric settlements that were submerged thousands of years ago when levels rose due to climate factors. Quote, 20,000 years ago, the global sea level was 130 meters lower than at present. With progressive global warming and sea level rise, unique landscapes, home to human societies for millennia, disappeared. We know almost nothing about the people who lived on these great plains, which is wild. Using the latest tech, researchers in Europe have recently discovered numerous underwater signs of prehistoric peoples. An underwater Stonehenge made up of 170 stone cairns was discovered under Lake Constance. Pretty crazy. Right, which lies between Germany, Austria, and Switzerland. Scientists now believe it was made by humans roughly 5,500 years ago in the Bay of Gradina on the western coast of the Croatian island of Korkula. I thought they had a better... Scientists uh, found a 7,000-year-old road there. It's these kind of discoveries that University of Bradford researchers hope to uncover as part of Subnordica, a collaboration between institutions in Denmark, Germany, and the UK that has received over $16 million in funding to date. The work has become more urgent as coastal development ramps up to build out green energy solutions, such as wind farms. Quote, as Europe and the world approaches net zero, development of the coastal shelves is now a strategic priority. Subnordica will use the latest technologies to explore these lands and support sustainable development. One site of interest to researchers is Doggerland, which a University of Bradford webpage explains, would have been a heartland of human occupation and central to the process of resettlement and colonization of northwestern Europe during the Mesolithic and Neolithic. David Burke called that out. Yeah. He said kind of like Doggerland. 
Yeah. Within the submerged landscape lie fragmentary uh, yet valuable evidence for the lifestyle of its inhabitants, including the changes resulting from both the encroaching sea and the introduction of Neolithic technologies. Um, I think that's where it ends. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. Doggerland. I'm going to just look that up, actually. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's just take a look at that while we're here. Um, however you spell it, I guess it's just how it sounds, right? Doggerland. And I hate using Wikipedia, but it's just the first thing that came up. Here you go, guys. Let's take a look at Doggerland. Thanks, David Burke. You're the man. Dude's smart. Um, <clears throat> let me just zoom in here a little bit. So Doggerland was an area, the land uh, of land in Northern Europe, now submerged between the North Sea that connected Britain to continental Europe. It was repeatedly exposed at various times during the Pleistocene epoch due to the lowering of sea levels during glacial periods. It was last flooded by ring sea levels around 6500 to 6200 BC. Dude, that's the thing. <clears throat> that area of the Baltic, that area is so ancient. We're going to find so many ancient, like you think South America and the Amazon and all the stuff we're finding in Guatemala is cool, bro, the Baltic Sea, some of these remote places, but by the way, have been completely cut off for the last 35 to 40 years because a lot of these areas were Soviet Union for many, you know, for mm. whatever, 80, 90 years. So there hasn't been a lot of exploration and, and look at bosnia we talked about the bosnian pyramids not too long ago kind of a similar right. situation that whole big giant war that we were funding a proxy war essentially in the 1990s uh the clintons and and that whole kind of military industrial complex we were running huge operations in bosnia which prevented so much archaeological work from happening and then here you go um these areas the, the, the flooded land is known as Dogger Littoral. Geological surveys have suggested that it stretched from what is now the east coast of Britain to what is now the Netherlands, the western coast of Germany to the Danish peninsula of Jutland. It was probably a rich habitat <clears throat> with human habitation in the, Meso, uh, in the Mesolithic period, although rising sea levels gradually reduced it to low-lying islands before the final submergence, possibly allowing a tsunami caused by the Storega Slide. Doggerland was named after Dogger Bank, which in turn was named after the 17th century Dutch fishing boats called Doggers. The archaeological potential of the area was first identified in early 20th century and interest intensed, intensified in 1931 when a fishing trawler operated east of the Walsh dragged up a barbed antler. And that subsequently dated to a time when the area was tundra. Vessels have since dragged up remains of mammoths, lions, and other animals, and a few prehistoric tools and weapons. So there you go, guys. Doggerland. Cool stuff. And that's just one of those things where I know I've heard about, but I never actually like looked at a map and and saw where it was. Hmm. Um, I mean, just submerged. Oh, here you go. I mean, it's, here's a better here's a better image. Let me go live with this. There's real quick. just there's gonna be more and more. And <clears throat> here more you go. More. I'm not gonna be surprised. It's every week. Mm -hmm. There's something new found. Yep. People just might as well get over it now. So here you go, Doggerland, and also, 
this is kind of this mystical island chain, like the Orkney Islands, the Jersey Islands. You know, that's where some of like the, the cryptocurrency millionaires all have their st money stored away because like Jersey Island has like no financial laws at all. It's kind of one know of those about any of that. super secret. It's kind of like a city state. It's not really a country. It's weird. Um, but, you know, off the coast of Ireland and, you know, there's these island chains out there that, you know, going back to, um, you know, the times of Irish monks were legends of these strange islands out there that nobody went to that were inhabited by these beings with amazing technology. You know, it's kind of this whole, I think that's where like Tartaria and some of these stories come from is Doggerland and is these island chains that submerged after the last ice age. And, you know, was that a comet that hit the North American ice shelf or the European ice shelf and everything just flooded? You know what I mean? It's written about in the Bible and all these other cultures. Um, but, you know, supposedly this area was full of high technology. Um, but it's all under the water, dude. They're looking for shipwrecks, bro. Right. They're not looking for sunken temples and megalithic structures. What if we turned our focus on, you know, trying to get that uh, Spanish galleon? I know if that sucker's full of silver and gold, wait a minute, that, wait a minute. you think they're looking treasure. for shipwrecks near Doggerland? I'm saying that underwater archaeology's focus is in shipwrecks. That's where the money not is. Necessarily, it is it's not Unaguni. That's not that's a one out I mean, of that's one out of Bimini Road. Thousands. So that's uh, it's. Okay. I mean, they try. Like it's they don't just go look common. like in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the ocean to try to find stuff. You have to have Most like have time, some context of like where to those look. Are, and those are accidentally found, though. Those are accidentally found. For most of the time, from people looking for shipwrecks, for but looking again, for like to explore treasure. the ocean, it's hard enough to explore the land. How are you going to just start exploring the ocean? And because right here we have the map of exactly where the water lines. There are. you could. I get that. That's I what get I'm that. saying. I'm saying outside. No, of you're that, not understanding. You... It's fine. We can move on. Uh, I could see it in the picture, so I understand what you're saying. However, what I'm saying is beyond that. Yeah. What if there are other things out in the water? People are looking for Atlantis all the time. Yeah, okay, contextually to the bodies of mass that we have, but what if there's more bodies of water out in the deeper parts that we're not near that nobody's ever seen that come and go? I mean, all I'm saying the is quickest place we to only look know is the former shorelines, like what Mike Luoma and Josh Smart are doing around Oh, I the, get that. that. I get lake. that. You know I what get I mean? that. It's, I totally get that. What I'm what saying I'm is that's only you one part of is it. Is that there's not many people looking for submerged cities. Sure. Most of under our underwater archaeology saying it's very difficult is to look for shipwrecks. That's all I'm saying. If there were more people out there really looking, because they actually know where it. those ships were or their sailing routes, uh, so they have more of a kind of yeah. They don't just go but randomly they're full looking of in the ocean. Silver and gold. That's well, why yeah. they're looking for them. Right. That's they're not what they looking want. for them to find, you know, a long lost artifact. They're looking for it because there's bullion on board of that ship, and they probably tracked it down through you know the logs of whatever. They're they're hunting for that ship for a purpose. Right. You know, it, it's the, you know, it's probably has. I mean, you're, you're, ship's you're again, but what I'm trying to say to you is you're bemoaning the fact that they won't do underwater archaeology and it's hard enough to get people to do on land archaeology. Like, dude. Oh, I, trust me. I like, understand. 
That's what, what I'm, saying. I'm like, bitching dude, about I'm with is you, bullshit. and I would love to see people doing that. But like in the grand I, scheme of I things, like it. people don't give a shit about doing good archaeology no. up here. It seems like most of the time. No, no, especially or, in Ohio. Not, I'm sorry, not that they're not <laughs> interested in doing it. They're not interested in taking on maybe some of the harder ones, or like looking at some of the stuff that doesn't fit the model type stuff. I, I should really. Yeah, backtrack that a little bit. There's there are people out there doing good work. It's no, not to denigrate everybody. Instead, there's but, archaeologists that are on Facebook going <laughs> after people like Jeffrey Wilson because he wrote a book that has nothing to do with archaeology and it's literally just an uh, an, an academic. Hunt. It's literally an <laughs> academic encyclopedia of earthworks and mounds and the original drawings of them. And right now, Jeffrey Wilson is getting burnt alive in this ridiculous Facebook group where all it was was Graham Hancock promoted Jeffrey's new book. Hmm. Graham Hancock put it on Twitter, blasted it on Twitter, blasted it on GrahamHancock.com. Next thing you know, it's in this huge YouTube, uh, sorry, Facebook group where you have this Facebook group blowing up. Talking all this smoke about Jeffrey and his work when not a single one of those people read his book. Not a single one of those people know anything about what Jeffrey's years and years of work putting, uh, you know, ancient monuments of the Mississippi Valley. And then our Giants video gets tossed in there as proof that Jeffrey's a kook. And if you watch our Giants video, it's literally Jeffrey, an academic, that is talking about discovering a postcard that was strange so he investigated it and found out that the bones after measuring it and doing scientific research that it it was potentially a giant skeleton but without certain parts of the puzzle i can't definitively say that because i've emailed dr bradley leper all these things trying to get more information and i've been shut down that's what that video is about it doesn't have it's not a wild theory that Jeffrey Wilson thinks they're giants. It's literally his investigation into the historical aspect of a freaking postcard. But let me just say this, Mike. You don't have to say another word. Okay. All they have to do is Sorry. say Jeffrey Wilson's a kook and that's it. That's all they do. That's what they did. That's all they do. That's and they, all they have they to do. They lump Graham Hancock in that's there all, because Jeffrey that's and, all and they Graham have are friends. To do. That's all they have to do. And because Jeff and Graham both aren't in the club and haven't paid to play. Yeah, they haven't. They you know haven't earned the right yet. Jeffrey's not an archaeologist. Jeffrey doesn't go on digs. He's a historical researcher that is an academic. Jeffrey has taught in colleges. The guy is very qualified as a researcher. It's not like he's just some you know kook that is some like high school dropout with no no. Jeffrey's highly educated human being. What did like, I say the, earlier? The All guy you got to do is talk to NASA. him, but that's what they won't do. Because, again, if you don't have the card, if you don't have the plaque, if you don't have the acronym behind your name, you don't get to enter the conversation. Right. That's right. the whole thing. They'll never – Jeff has to go get his whatever, PhD in it, and then they'll let him actually talk about it. And even then, what did I say right. earlier? Even then they might not let you because it doesn't fit their theory. So, like Jeff has said, screw them. Do it yourself. Yep. Don't rely on them to do it. And look what yep. Jeff's done. Proved that he has gotten the correct information. Right. And given overall, just given credit where credit's due. Mm-hmm. That's all he's doing. How hard is that? And why but, is that such a bad thing? All these people in that Facebook group, no one read the book. I get it. 
I get no it. one read I get anything it. the man read or yeah. wrote. Yeah. That's the sh- the things that piss me off are you're associated with this person that we don't like, which well, is Graham Hancock. the Dunning-Kruger effect. Yes. There's and it just out there. pisses me off. And by the way, that Hot Plasma article, shout out Chasing Mound Builders, that one was for you. CMB. Uh, we totally uh, spaced on shouting you out on that one. Uh, yeah. But that was the plasma breaking the speed of light. Um, and I think we have one more. Actually, uh, I think that might be I all, I think guys. that's it. I think the last one was a double. Yeah, well, that's cool. okay because we're already we're already clocking in a clip here. What are we clocking in? We're at nine nine thirty. Okay, we're doing pretty good. Um, and I did look into. I'm going to look into this uh, group that you guys are talking about here in the chat. Um, it's the uh, well. Anyways, maybe we'll come back and do an article on them. Jeffrey's a man, Heather Lamb. Jeffrey is the man. And, you know, it's in Stoner very gracefully hopped into that Facebook group and posted both of our interviews, part one and part two, with Jeffrey Wilson. And, you know, graciously, graciously was like, hey, this is actually what the information is about. Right. If you want to know. If you want to know something about it and you obviously are too lazy to buy the book, pick up the books, read about the book. Um, here's a couple videos that are explaining what this whole, you know, what you you guys don't even know what you're talking. You don't even know the subject. Go talk to of Jeff. What it is Jeff you're will, talking about? Jeff will talk to you. The whole thing again. Is he will talk to you. The, the the whole trope of the the truth doesn't mind being questioned. Yeah. So that's why you get people that sling things at them. Um, mm-hmm. and you've said it a couple times and everybody knows with Graham, they call him a racist. And it's like, dude, his wife That's is like Indonesian, I believe, correct? Or she's, uh, Bali. not the same mm-hmm. background heritagely as he is. So whatever mm-hmm. you want to say, but just there are arguments that are, they're straw man arguments. They're thrown up to inflame people to join a side again. You know, again, it's just micro divisions and, people getting to a point where they can't have conversations anymore and it's everything's a battle everything's a war which side are you on in this yeah. conversation it's yeah. like dude what what the f like i just want to cool. talk yeah. i didn't know i had to decide like are you are you skim milk or whole milk dude i just whatever what are you get available it, i mean i'm not a big skim milk fan i'd rather have whole milk but whatever i can get but down the, both but the problem that they don't like though with jeffrey is that he brings receipts Jeffrey is well researched. That's what I said. said Yeah, they they can't argue with him. No, you're right. That's the whole thing. So what do you do with that? You You discredit him, salacious crap at him, and you just try to gum him up some way, and it might work. And who knows? Maybe it discredits him enough. Maybe it gets him enough of that ire. Yeah. And again, maybe it shuts down enough credible people from even ever you know wanting to work with him because he's now already labeled as the best. It's sad, again, because Mm -hmm. you have some really brilliant minds out there, like Jeffrey, doing Mm -hmm. God knows difficult work, stuff I'm never doing. Like, (laughs) even even that, right, what he's doing, right? It's not his primary job. It's not his – it's a passion. Like, that passion is as good as somebody's life's work. His side hustle passion, to me, is is as equally impressive as – any other researcher's entire work. 
Mm-hmm. That takes he's how long has he been working on that? And like, he's like, oh, I had to put, add this in it, add this in. It was just like it was yeah. like it was never going to come out. At it was least like five connected years. to New York, it was just going to take forever. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like he's very and passionate. he's writing a Serpent Mound book right now. Well, this, wait till that's that the, comes out because that'll the send shockwaves. That he was writing first before he did the Ancient Monuments project. Yeah. He found all this doing research for a Serpent Mound book. Stumbled hmm. upon this. Takes a five year detour and yeah. just writes. A massive anthology of, you know, a thousand, two thousand page books casually over five years. And Heather Lay on that's so cool. Uh, I guess uh, Heather found our show through Jeffrey. That's what I said earlier. She got in contact with with Jeffrey. I didn't realize that. Um, Thomas Wilson sent me to find Jeffrey and then I found your show. He's so smart. Yes, he is. And he does go all in. And that's the thing is because Jeffrey doesn't know how to not go all in. That dude doesn't have the, I'm just going to casually hop into something. You no, know? <laughs> no. Nope. He goes whole hog. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we appreciate your guys' kind words in the chat. Uh, I think this sure. has been a fun episode. We we agree. We're, we're having a good time. You guys are killing it in there. Um you know, it's great to see David, great to see Heather, great to see Sess, great to see Board Not to Run, Necro, uh, Chasing Mound Builders, you know, did I see Dancing Lights, uh, Dancing Lights has been, been hopping in, uh, and so we, we appreciate you guys coming in and uh, hanging out with us tonight, and we're going to do more of these. Any last words, bub? I don't think so. No. That was a good one. There's well, a lot to cover in that one. How about uh, you want to play a little Get Box or no? I don't really have any songs. <laughs> I played basically everything I've got made up at this point. Uh, you can't play an original. You don't know any originals out of all the EPs you wrote? Put no, you on the spot. I mean, I, no, I haven't practiced anything in a long time. Okay. And after I put that screwdriver in my hand, my hand is not. Oh, uh, like- yes. Bub scra- stabbed himself with the screwdriver. How it's, do I do that? It's not right looking there. great. <laughs> that big giant bruise in the center of your palm. In the in the in the playing hand, yeah. Well, <laughs> I had to switch a door handle. But yeah, next week, not next week. The next strange happenings. I think I can get back at it. But I tried to play today a little bit, and it wasn't wasn't great. He said, "Play Freebird." No, thank I, you. I wish we could do covers, but we're giving all of our money to Paul McCartney and and all the bands that we've we've covered so far doing cover tunes in YouTube is a no bueno, unfortunately. Yeah. And also I want to thank stoner for helping us get us, get us dialed in. We went down to the little palace. If you guys are ever in downtown Columbus and you want a good place to go eat, head over to the little palace on point food. Uh, probably the best cheese curds in the world. Just going to say They're amazing. If you like cheese curds, They're maybe fantastic. you grew up in Wisconsin or Minnesota. Um, but incredible incredible cheese curds and uh thank you to born not to run our moderator born not to run doing a hell of a job posting all those links in there for us uh join the discord channel join the the conversation hop in the facebook group i know some of you guys are in both um you know we're we're trying to get better at and and getting into to all of the different outreach uh and you know reaching out in discord reaching out in facebook and uh, we've been getting things around here, I think, a lot more efficient, 
Um, we're trying to free up a little time so we can uh, go run around and, and get out in the field and shoot more stuff, which is all of our, our passions is, uh, you know, creating interesting content, not just podcasts um, and, and some of those things, but getting the cameras out into the field and running around a little bit. So we got some things cooking, guys, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Um, but keep doing what you're doing. Spread the word. Spread the strangeness. We really do appreciate all you guys in Apple, Spotify. And also, guys, if you're out there listening in Apple Podcasts, sorry, in Google Podcasts, I'm sure you're aware that there's no longer RSS feeds that are updating. And, and those feeds are, you can still get old episodes on Google Podcasts, but our RSS feed and every other show out there, from what I understand, is no longer connected to Google Podcasts. So you won't see our new episodes on there. So we do, we just got on YouTube Music though. So our show is now available on iHeartRadio and YouTube Music. And so you can go to our YouTube page and actually find audio episodes now, which is pretty interesting. And we're not sure how we feel about that. But um, if you have the YouTube Music app, you can listen or watch our show. So check that out. Uh, if you've been looking for a different platform to listen to the show in, maybe try YouTube Music out. But we're on there now. And uh, thank you all for listening. Please hit that like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. Keep writing those reviews, guys. Uh, we love all of you. And we definitely wouldn't be doing this without you. And we are going to be signing out. Bravo to all of you in the chat. Uh, this has been a great night. Love, peace, and chicken grease. We are out. Later, everybody.